0: Hi, it's Friday morning. I'm trying to Rine. Busy day. I'm sure you're busy too with the sukkah and everything like this. I gotta get the schach up, uh, post uh, yom kippur. This week is Parsha Sanzina, which is probably the hardest because a poem and who knows poetry, and yet Moshe Renu uh, gives his dying uh, declaration in the form of this epic poem. It's not an epic poem. It's not long, but it's very vivid. It's very packed. And I don't think most people understand when they read Parcha Zino. You know, this is my impression when I mean, I guess Tarzino people check out mentally, and they say, "I'm gonna to go to the Parsha, maybe read a couple of Rasha each time, make a but what is he talking about over here? They identify single psukim, but a lot of the words are hard, so I think the best thing I can do is share my opinion because all you ever get is my opinion on what exactly the poem is about, and uh so I'll, I'll lay this out. I don't want to spend a lot of time this morning because I don't have a lot of time. And so here we go. Besides the beginning opening, the uh, Hazino, Shema, Yadabera, and all that, like your uh, opening parts, the uh, here's the really cool parts. First, the poem starts by saying that the Jews, who come across as pretty jerky in this uh, poem, as Moshe of his life talking about the Jewish people, will blame an unjust God for their misfortunes. Right? They'll say anything that's happening. So, in other words, he already sees the Tochah is going to happen, and the Jews have tsaras, and they'll blame it on God. And uh, this is not even going to be true. You know, It's it's your sin, not God's sin. But you want to acknowledge that. Instead of taking responsibility, you blame God. Which, of course, is exactly what happened in many circles. For example, in our own lifetimes after the Holocaust, they say, I don't believe, you know, God... Uh, who was it? was used to be a, uh, a Reform rabbi. What was the name? Rubenstein or something. God died Auschwitz. You know, those kind of ideas. It's his fault. So, here 3,000 years ago, Moshe is going to say, I can foresee that you're going to blame an unjust God. And no, it won't be true. You know, it's just you uh, practicing denial and seeking to put the responsibility on someone else. And then Moshe will continue on this vein with something very powerful what I regard as the key element of the poem. And that is, the Jews are governed by a special providence. Therefore, meta-history is the appropriate tool of analysis, rather than history. He says, you know, way back when, remember the, the, the Bible says, What does all that mean? He said, you were, cho- you, were you were chosen out, spe- singled out from the other peoples. And, Long ago, God portioned this piece of the land of the earth for the Jews, and that they should build a model kingdom and a special situation. And he, early on, um, started treating you with a unique providence, what we call Hashkacha Pratis. There's no question in the world the Klai Yisrael is governed by Hashkacha Pratis. In the Middle Ages, uh, up to modern times, there was a big debate among people like the Rambam and Ibn and many others what is this, Hashkaka clawless or Hashkacha Which means, you know, if me, like a little schnook like myself, or you, the listener, if you stub your toe, is that part of some divine grand plan? Or no, it's left to chance. Meaning God created chance. You hear what I said? God created chance. He created uh, math and all that. But he didn't specifically, uh, you know, guide that particular toe to be stubbed. Or do you say the other way around? No, every Jew, no matter what, Maybe every human being in the world, no matter every blade of grass, no matter what, very kabbalistic Hasidic, is governed by divine providence. That's the usual. The, by the way, that's the simplest way of understanding everything. God is a a, a big. <laughs> I can't use a big big person. I mean, a big thing. He has time to, for everybody, and he has enough time to devote to every atom, <laughs> you know, uh, so to speak. Uh, but there are big debates whether or not the average individual gets hashgacha pratis. Uh, close to divine providence or Hishkachah close or not. But everybody knows, knows even the Rambam and people like that say that a big person at Sadek, for example, gets Hashkachah Pratis. And that's the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That they, the whole point, according to the Rambam Abratius, is to describe how one family got Hashkachah Pratis. For example, the sale of Yosef in Egypt, as you see, was all part of a plan, just to give you one example. But more than that, the Jewish people per se, call Yisrael, no question that it's Hashkot Pratis. So if it's Hashkot Pratis, then what Moshe Rabbeinu is saying is, and I'm not going to read all in Hebrew, you look it up yourself if you're interested in what I'm saying, just follow the key as I'm laying it out for you, if you're interested in this uh, approach. And uh, that is that Chal Yisrael is going to be governed by Hashkot Pratis, and if that's the case, then the tools of analysis are not those of history, but of meta-history. For example, you don't say what caused the sixty-seven war, the, the six-day war. If you want to give a historical analysis, you say, "Well, there was the Arab-Israeli conflict, and there was fights in the, uh, over the water sources in the Golan Heights, and Nasser, uh, you know, miscalculated by bringing in you know Soviet weapons." There's no question about. It. There's a totally legitimate way of providing historical analysis. I kind of do that for a living, right? Uh, that's one way of doing it. Now there's a separate way called history, And meta history means, like, it's, why did God do it? So the, for the meta historian, his, he doesn't care about Nasser and the Arabs and the water sources of the Jordan and all that business. Why did the Shalom make it that in 1967 there were, he caused a war, which Khalil Israel won, and therefore we gained access to the Kotel and, the, you know, the Mar-Sak-Pel and all that kind of business. You know, what was God's reason for doing that? That's a different way of asking a question and different analysis. You know, it's a different way of analysis. And Moshe Rabbeinu is telling the Jewish people over here, don't give me this historical business so you say, where was God when Germany uh, uh, blew up and made the Holocaust? The question asked is, why did God do that? These are all uh, the expressions of the fact that from day one, way back when in our history, we were singled out for God, by God for special attention. Yimsa bear it's midburger, we found you in the desert, and Kinesha you like a like a like a what do you call it? An eagle. All these are poetic expressions for this idea of the um very close um meta historical analysis. But Moshe goes on to say the Jewish people have a congenital stupidity and a congenital ingratitude. That's just who we are. And Yishman Yushu Yushbayibut. They grow fat and kick, which means that Moshe Urbana 3,000 years ago was making an extraordinary insight, and that is, we Jews are not good with prosperity. That's just an interesting thing I just said. We're not good with prosperity. Everybody, theoretically, wants to be a rich man like Tevye and and the Fiddler on the Roof. But the question then becomes, from a philosophical point of view, would wealth be good for you? Notice, is wealth the end, or is wealth a means to an end? A philosophical individual, meaning a smart individual, will say wealth is a means to an end. If money becomes the end, then your life is kind of pointless. In other words, it's it's nothing um, admirable about it. and certainly a nation. So all the Jews always want peace and quiet. I want peace and quiet. I also want prosperity. I wouldn't mind winning the Powerball lottery. Who wouldn't? But what's the result of that? You know, wise people, wise nations, when they are granted prosperity are able to avoid the great pitfall of decadence. Uh, but there are very few in history like that. Very, very few. And the Jewish people are not in that category. Because when the Kali when Yisrael the does well, uh, then they screw up. This is called the Old Testament. <laughs> That's Yeshua, especially Shoftim, Shmuel, Malachim, the Avim Meshon, Achronim. That's what it's all about. That when we had our own country and everything was going great, they went to idols, and they went to this, that, and the other. You understand? It's, it's, and Moshe is warning about this long ago. So do not, what shall I say, wish for wealth and prosperity and all the rest of it, and good reign, uh, because you won't do well with it. On the other hand, do the Jewish people do well in adversity? That's an interesting question. That's a fascinating question. And the short answer goes, the Jews do well with a little bit of adversity. Not with a lot. You know, a little bit of adversity. But usually the government doesn't work out a little bit. They push it all the way. So this is the problem. So look, look how, um, what a grand view of the future he's taking here long ago. And what's really interesting is, God says, you're going to go and uh, screw up like that, and, and worship other gods and all this business. I'll nail you. And, you know, in light of current events, he says, "Haim kin unni biloam, uh, heim kin they will make me angry, God says, by worshiping non-gods, low ale, Because the deities they will worship will be false. After all, idols. So, uh, you know what I'm saying? As opposed, for example, I don't know, off the time I say the, the current monotheistic religions, Christian and Islam, they worship God, they worship an ale. they just do it in the wrong way. Uh, idol worship, which had in the time of the Tanakh and all that, was low ale. And I will get them back below um. They, they, they'll be persecuted by people who aren't even a nationality. Today, Israel's suffering for the doggone Palestinian problem. Palestinians are a low Om. Um. They've never had a country. They've had, never had a, a nation. As I noticed this many years ago. Han Kunini below El, Aniak named below um. They mess me up with a low El, I'll, I'll, I'll drive them crazy with Arafat and a low Om. Um. A people who are not a foreign nation. Israel's problem is not with the Egyptians. Israel's problem is not with the Russians or the Chinese. Uh, Israel's problems with the Palestinians. And they're a low arm. Now, uh, what will be the result? This uh, decadence by Yishman and, and Yivan will cause God to get angry. He says that. And he will unleash a holocaust and hide his face. Uh, and my goodness, that will be pretty bad, right? Uh, he says, you know, to be, le, le shume, uh, what is it, uh, uh, death on the outside and the inside and all kind of terrible things like that uh, you know, whatever those expressions will be, Uh, famine, plague, pestilence, um, uh, fanged beasts, uh, venomous uh, creepers, you know, snakes, Uh, outside the sword, inside terror, the young and the old, this happened by Hitler, it also happened at other times, but I mean, very recently, happened exactly by Hitler, Outside was the terror, and inside was, was outside was the killing, inside was the terror. My mother, for example, was hiding in a house with a baby, you know, from the Germans. Outside was the killing, inside was the terror. So all this will, will happen, and God won't be present, meaning he'll hide his face, which is just an interesting expression. Is this where you get Hester upon him? I think this is not the only place we get Hester upon him, but this is a, a, a classic a reference. Uh will upon him. God said, I will hide my face, meaning... I'll let all this stuff happen, and I won't intervene with you. See, you Jews are are uh, spoiled. You're used to me constantly intervening. If I don't intervene, you'll be in big trouble. I'll give you an example. i noticed this many times. The state of Israel, for example. Every once in a while, they're not so smart. BB, nobody's that smart over there. And so they get themselves in screwed up situations. And right now, we're in the middle of one of them. Iran is getting bigger and bigger. Nobody's doing anything about it. That's the bottom line. Trump is just talking and talking. I like Trump, but nevertheless, he's just talking and talking and messing up. And now, you know, they're with the Kurds and all, no, 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 I'm wrong. Every, I've seen this over the years. I'm not, uh, you know, uh, bloviating here. Every time the situation gets really bad for Israel and the Middle East, something pops out of nowhere and some issue nobody even thought about, which was in the back burner, comes to the front burner, and the Arab-Israeli conflict sort of like pushed it aside. For example, 20 years ago, uh, you know, what was it, in Clinton's time and all that, in Bush's time, the Bush Sr., they're really pushing to make a Palestinian state. All of a sudden, this idiot uh, Saddam Hussein popped up and preoccupied the world's attention for 15 years, and then uh, Iraq blew up, and then when, uh, and, and that pushed the Arab-Israeli uh, a conflict aside from the center stage. Uh, what happened afterwards? Then they started pushing again with, with uh, Olmert and so forth in the later years of Bush and during the re- years of Obama, but well, what happened? The Middle East de- deconstructed what they call the Arab Spring. All of a sudden, these countries melted. Egypt, Syria, Iraq fell into complete disarrangement. Gigantic civil wars, millions of people, I repeat, millions of people getting killed, killing each other. The Arab Israeli conflict get pushed to the side. Now, Trump has been for three years. Now they're finally getting around to addressing the Arab Israeli conflict. Bibi's not in a good shape for now in Israel. It's an understatement. And Israel has no plan if the other guys take over, they give away the store. As we all knew, don't believe all the propaganda, and uh, all of a sudden, the Turkey invades the Kurds. You know, but Trump <laughs> does a Trump, and he pulls everything out, all the soldiers out, and now you're going to have another conflict in the Middle East. I don't know how it's going to turn out, obviously, but I said to myself, that's God throwing in, the, you know, shaking up the, the the pot once again. So this is what it says over there. Hashem says, uh, I'll either do Hester upon him or I won't. If does hester Punim, you just allow events to take their own way. That's bad. If you do the opposite of hester Punim, then all of a sudden the Kurds pop up. All of a sudden, Iraq becomes a a hot zone again. All of a sudden, I don't know, there's an earthquake in Iran. You know, something like that. And uh, the Houthis and the Putis blow up in, 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 um, in Yemen. And you get all these situations. Because there are a lot of little issues that are constantly simmering in the Middle East. Well, anyway, what happens after there's a Holocaust and God hides his face? Then Moshe says but God will not be able to take it. He won't be able to stand uh, the, the, the Gentile boasting and their incorrect analysis. They'll say, we're so great, and v'la shem Paul Kozos, it's not God who did it, we we did it, and ki goi ovad etz hemo, they're all dumb, and uh, the heck with them, and then I give them the grapes of wrath, this is where it comes from, the grapes of wrath, and this will, pre- in other words, his, God's anger at the boasting and the incorrect analysis and the part of the goyim Will provoke him to um, launch a holocaust on the on, on the Gentiles, right? And what's the what's the final result? One of the most uh, enigmatic Hebrew phrases, as far I'm concerned, you find in the entire Bible, because what is the very end of the poem? It says, "Harnu n'goyim let the nations, uh, you know, uh, uh, praise the Jewish people. "Ki <laughs> dama because God will take vengeance for what the Jews suffered. And he'll repay the vengeance on the Goyim. What do those words mean? If you know Hebrew, you know it has no good translation. It's so uh, loose, so unclear a translation. It's an oracle, which means it could go a lot of different ways. And indeed, I just pulled open my uh, JPS and my Arya Kaplan over here to see what they do. Uh, and the JPS, they say, He'll wreak vengeance on his foes and cleanse the land of his people. V'chi perad mas Kick at the Palestinians, for example. He will, he will um, cleanse the, 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 the land of his people. That is indeed one of the classic interpretations. If you look in the um, bottom of the Arab which is where he's his best, he said, what is he? Uh He translates it as, he, he will reconcile his people to his land. That's very liberal. He will reconcile his people to land. Or he will atone for his land and his people, which is the Targum said whatever that means. Or his land will atone for his people in the Sifri, whatever that means. Or his people will atone for all his world. Hirsch. Again, that's very, uh, you know, lofty and liberal. He will purify his people's land. That's right. He'll purge the land of his people. That's not good. And so you end up with a, a tremendous oracle. It could go either way, couldn't it? It could go either way. It could mean he'll kick the Goyim out or means he'll kick the Jews out? Either he won't be able to take the shenanigans the Jews are doing and Chasam Shalm will kick them out, or the other way around. He'll get so angry at the Goyim, he'll say, I'm kicking them all out of Eretz throw. Obviously, we hope the second interpretation is the correct one. Uh, the poem, therefore, is a very vivid one, as you see over here. I just sketched out for you the basic key of the outlines. If you're interested in following this closer then you'll have to do a little more fashion, but I'm warning you, all the different fashion, each one does it his own way, and uh, I've never seen anything they actually like. The pasha shot is the hard thing to get in this week's pasha. and here's Moshe Rabbeinu basically writing a uh, outline of the future of history, because we're holding right now in this kind of situation. We've got V'chipa and we don't know which way it's going to go. We hope it means that they'll kick them out, but they're trying to do the means, of the, 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 you know, God forbid, but we should get kicked out. So we have plenty to pray for this coming year. And I hope it'll be, you know, what does it say? Tuftshin Pei. Where does that come out to? Tishnas? I don't know. Pidyon? Something like that. Anyway, have a good Shabbat. I'm in a hurry. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at ww.dot